Hi there, welcome to Stoked to Be Here. My name's Laura and I'm the back half of Stella Tandem, a record-breaking attempt to cycle around the world on a tandem bicycle this year. Um, and time is flying now, but as we're getting closer and closer to the event, we've got a few more podcasts left and I am massively excited today um, to be speaking to Jenny Graham, who is actually the female record holder for circumnavigating the world on a bicycle. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a massive pleasure to be speaking to you, Jenny, and I'll just kind of give the stats first of all, but it was, um, 124 days, 10 hours, and I think 50 minutes that you, you travel around the world on a bicycle, which is absolutely amazing. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm really excited to speak to you and so excited about your attempt and your ride. I just think it's a fascinating sort of concept going with um you know somebody else and being part of like being part of a pair like that i think it's adds a whole different element to it so yeah lots of respect yeah definitely it's, <laughs> it's an epic challenge to spend that amount of time with somebody else as, as well yeah. um but yeah i think you know it's obviously an epic challenge for you, for you out by, by yourself too but um just going right back to the beginning for now i mean how did this all start were you have you always been a an epic bike rider were you racing around on bikes from a young age or what what led you into the challenge essentially so i think there there was two parts to this like but you know as a kid i would never have been classed as a, a sporty kid you know i didn't like conventional sports but an outdoory child i was you know we were country kids and lived in the highlands so we were always out playing and making dens and you know playing in the woods and jumping in rivers and stuff like that so that sort of adventure element I guess has always been there but during school I just felt like sports were you know like not for me because because of the types of sports they were like I didn't see this adventure side of things until I was an adult so I was 24 when I kind of find out about it through a local college and um, um, my local college was running a course like an introduction to outdoor pursuits and when I read the article like describing it I was like what this is a thing like that's what I used to love to do as a kid and and then I yeah like I you know it was only a six-month course like I got zero qualifications out of it but it actually like changed my life forever it just it was this gateway into this whole new world that I knew nothing about and then from there you know I was 24 when when I did that course and I was 38 when I set off right the world so in that time period they were that was like every year was baby steps leading up to leading up to going around the world you know you definitely don't just wake up you'll know this like you don't wake <laughs> up and say I'm gonna ride around the world next week so it doesn't happen like that but yeah it was um, yeah incremental steps definitely for sort of 15 years yeah definitely and do you think that background was was really important because your, your record as well was very much self-supported which I'm sure we'll talk more about later but you know so to have the ability to look after yourself outside and and that all, all that outdoors experience how much of a um, part did that play do you think in your record attempt as opposed to just purely being a cyclist 
Yeah, I mean that came before being a cyclist. I think you know when um, the when you look at all the different elements of cycling around the world, then cycling is actually just one part of many things. And you know, I was really into hill walking and just like going and camping. I've we've got a son, and so when he was a little kid and we couldn't go, I couldn't go away on like you know big epics. Then actually just going and camping and being self-sufficient out in the woods and in hills, you know, that was all sort of part of what we were doing. So that's skills are just as important as being able to turn your pedals perhaps more so you know there's so many amazing cyclists so like way better than me in every club or group ride I go out in so it's it's I, I don't think it's necessarily about being able to turn your pedals quickly <laughs> yeah and I think it's me sharing the hair because you know I'm, Steve's um, a much more proficient cyclist than me much faster but um, yeah I think there's there's a lot of different skills involved isn't there definitely. so it's the, hopefully the combination of the, the lot of them definitely you know when I was away something happened in, Mo in Mongolia and I had to backtrack and you know find a bike shop the next day and I was like really frustrated and I'd uh, been speaking to a friend and uh, like just messaging and she was like, you know, remember, cycling is the easy part. It's the resilience you've got to deal with this stuff that's going to get you through. And I was like, oh, what a great reminder. Like, that is exactly true. It's, you know, you know that you can ride your bike. It's being able to deal with all the changes on the move while you're, while you're exhausted. That is actually going to get you to the end. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think. I think getting to the start line is enough oh challenges God, there. So. <laughs> Exactly. We're learning a heck of a lot every day. <laughs> um, and you, you say you didn't wake up and go, I'm going to break. But there must have been a turning point. What even put the thought in your head? Because you're, you, you know, you'd done a few of the bigger rides. I think the Highland 500, things like that mm -hmm. before. But what even kind of tempted you to look at the world record? So I'm, you know, I was saying to you earlier on that I'm writing a book just now about about around the world. So if you'd asked me this six months ago, I would give you a completely different answer. <laughs> but I've had to trawl back in my mind to when I very, very first found out about around the world. And it was when Mark, I was when I read Mark Beaumont's book. I'd done a, somebody had recommended it because I was doing a bit more cycling. And I, it was his first attempt. So he was self-supported. And it was the first like adventure book I'd really read. And... I debated with friends for ages after it whether it was a waste of a ride because he just went, you know, fast and he was going for the record or was that actually um, like, a, you know, a purposeful adventure. And I fell into the category with like, that's exactly what it is. That's purposeful, purposeful adventure. And I would love to do it. And I made this really bold statement. And I, at the time, you know, my son was 10 and I was doing school runs and getting him to like karate clubs. And like my life, my life couldn't have been any different from cycling around the world and you know I'd go out on two hour bike rides and be pretty burst at the end of them and it was like and but I remember saying like yep I'm I, I might do this actually you know I might do this for laugh and leave school and but of course I didn't hold I like I didn't hold on to that because I was too busy you know living life but I think that was the seed that was one of the seeds that were planted that I knew about that thing um, and then all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, 10 years later, I'm like in this position that I've been building up all this experience and 
you know, I'm getting to a point that I'm taking it quite seriously and I'd gone part time at work and I was like, you know, I actually really want to cycle, not to not to get the record, but like I, this is this part of my life and I like myself. I like this part of myself that I'm tapping into. So I want to do more of it. Um, and around the same time, um, you know, my friends um, who, who you were saying that you've already interviewed, Emily Chapel and Lee Craigie. So I was pals with Lee anyway. She lived up here um, they they just set up the Adventure Syndicate. They were running this camp. They were like, come on it. You know, I got um, I got a place on it. And I met John Hampshire when I was out there, who's a coach. And, you know, John was like, you know, sign up to sessions with this coach. And everyone's quite shy about it for the first couple of days. And I am like right in there at least once a day, John. I want you all week. And I was just like, like, like getting all this information about training out of him because I'd never had anyone that I could speak to like this about it, you know, and I was so fascinated. And at the end of that week, he emailed me and he was like, look, you're clearly into this. I'll give you free coaching. I'll give you a year's free coaching and um, like just see how you get on with that. Like see if, you know, like no pressure. He was like, absolutely no pressure. But that to me was my like Willy Wonka moment. Do you know when Charlie wins the golden ticket and he's just like, yes, mate, like this is life changing. And it really having that like really focused my mind to be like, well, what do I want out of this? Because I'm going to be the fittest I've ever been and you know Lachlan was in like my son he'd you know left school and he was like on his own two feet a bit more so I, I just had this sort of time I was fit anyway I'd been doing all these adventures and I, I was lying I'd done this race out in Arizona and so I was lying waiting to come home and looking um, looking on my phone for different I'm a mountain biker so I was looking for mountain bike races that I could do while you know with John like helping me and the record it sort of just came into my sight somehow like I don't know if I I don't know if I looked it up or was it just on there like as epic rides and the lassie who had it at the time it was like 144 days and I can't remember what that average that she had to do and I was like I'm doing that like I can actually ride that and I've got all this other skill set and I'm going to be even fitter next year so I might just do it. And that was it. That was in the April 2017. And then in the June 2018, I was on the start line. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it was a quick turnaround when you think about yeah. it. But equally, it was like, it's that stepping, like when you look back, you're like all these little things that I was doing really got me to that point. But actually the whole, when I saw it and when I started saying it out loud, then yeah, that was a year's turnaround. Yeah, that's, that's a scary thing, isn't it? And uh, I think we kind of got the inkling. It's the team, Kat and Raz, come in, the, the tandem couple that were just amazing. And as I mentioned earlier, we saw your talk at, um, at Buxton when you were telling us about trip. And I think that was one of the seeds. So I think you've got a lot, really? lot to answer for as well. <laughs> but it was all these little things yes. that, that built up. Yeah, exactly. And then I kind of kept mentioning it to see I was like what do you reckon what do you reckon and he didn't say no quickly enough and then before we knew it I think we had a party um summer of 2020 and yeah suddenly we found we were saying out loud friends and family and we're like oh no hang on we just say we're gonna do this (laughs) and that was it this is it 
Yeah. Because once you start saying it out loud, this is the thing, isn't it? There's power to that. And it's not that you always have to do the thing that you say out loud. Sometimes you say it out loud and then back out of the room so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, no, this isn't right. But yeah, sometimes you're like, oh God, yeah, it actually even feels right when I say it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's spiraled out of all, all proportions in there, and <laughs> as I say, we're we very much in the thick of you know the planning and the logistics and visas and flights and everything. Yeah. But what kind of barriers did you face just getting to the start line? What were your biggest challenges? Because yeah. there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, there are, aren't there? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I wish I wrote down all the things because <laughs> I, I like you know I've been trying to think about. It. I keep saying I had lists on top of lists, and I was like. At the moment, I'm like, what could that list possibly have been? But when you're in it, it's like every decision about your bike, um, and especially when you're self-supported, I guess, that it's not like, you know, how are you going to be able to fix it? Like, is every component on it has to be fixable or changeable throughout the world? And what's, um, um, yeah, so it's like all the bike, all the kit that you're going to take yourself. There was a money aspect. So I didn't have, like, you know, it was going to cost 15 grand, I estimated. Mm. Um, on the back of an envelope one Sunday morning I was like about that yeah we've, we've got something similar yeah, yeah. <laughs> about that which is incredibly accurate it was like yeah uh, yeah it was really accurate yeah. which is so surprising um, so there was a £15,000 barrier and I got time off work um, for it for it but I think probably the biggest barrier for me was the um, and I don't I don't want to say self-belief as such because I'm not sure if it was self-belief because I am like fairly confident and I knew that I I, I knew that I, I you never know if you can do these but I knew that I had all the skills to do this but there was something about the not quite knowing if I had a place in that world because the record seemed like a really big deal that was for other people and I felt a bit normal and ordinary for it and felt a bit like just like oh god am I like a little bit it was so it wasn't the self-belief that I could do it but it was something about the self-belief was not being very sure if I had if I had the right to or a place to or something like that so uh, imposter like you know you just feel like a total imposter and um, so that I think was the biggest barrier so every day maybe not every day but quite a lot of days in that year in the build-up to I thought about backing out I was like, I'm not, I'm putting my family through all this, like I'm dedicating my life to this and actually I'm not sure if I should be. And that sort of questioning was really tiring. The minute I crossed that start line, no more questions. I never doubted that that was the exact place I needed to be right then, even when it was really hard and bad. I never wished I was anywhere else, you know, I didn't. I did not believe from that point, but getting to that start line and having to tell people, like, I feel for you now, like, <laughs> I'm hearing you saying, like, uh, uh, this, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that, I know that feeling of just being like, oh, God, right speaking this word <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's and you know sometimes I look at you know website and the social media and I'm going is this me you know am yeah. I <laughs> it's kind of I think thinking in this world of social media that's quite a nice almost um facade to put up now because you can just be like yeah it's all on social media it's a little bit fake it's a little bit shiny and glossy and just hide behind that but yeah that's that's mad and and once you did get you say you know once you got to the start line and you're riding did did you kind of know you could do it then was it that like you've 
you're on your bike, you've got to ride it, you know, you've got it in hand. Did you always believe that was, you know, you were going to break the record at that point or or did that kind of come later on? I think the, the I guess the drive to want to and the, and I, the belief that I could stayed there with me because I wouldn't have put myself on the start line if I didn't think that I could. So that that was there, but not in a cocky, arrogant way. Not in a not in a oh I'm gonna smash this, mate. Not like that. <laughs> it wasn't like that. It was that like, oh if I just chip away at this, this will this will work. Um but anything could happen when you're out there that was out of my control. But I think and I'm not sure why, but I, I again, or just in reflection, because I'm reading back on all my audio diaries and stuff just now, but I had this um, target of 110 days. Now, the record I needed to beat was 144. I was aiming for 110, and I came in at 124. Um, so I bet the record by two weeks. But in my head, I was behind by two weeks. Mm. And so often when I'm doing my audio diaries, I'm like... Oh, I'm behind. Oh, no. And I was like getting all caught up and being behind. And my sister kept like messaging me like, yeah, but you're on track for the record. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but I'm behind. And like I was getting all caught up in this 110 days. So I think, for, and I, I don't know if I just had to do that to deal with the pressure or whatever when I was out there. But um, I don't think the record was ever a given for me. It was it was never a given, but I guess there was never a time that I was like, oh, this is I'm cutting things fine here. Yeah. But I, I mean, I got lucky with um, you know, like nothing seriously went wrong out there, which is so like so easy, you know, like yeah. there was no accidents, I didn't get terribly ill, you know, I got a bit sick, but it wasn't like a showstopper for weeks. Um, but I think if you've done any travelling on bike, then you know that that stuff can just happen so quickly. So it was there, it was, but it was never taken for granted, I guess, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And yeah, yeah it's, it's good to know that, <laughs> you yeah. know, if you put things in place, so you've kind of yeah. got that confidence on the bike. And, of course, you say you, you weren't really close with the coach, which must have been a massive benefit. Yeah. What did your training look like? I mean, because obviously you live up here in Inverness and through the winter, the weather's not not conducive to riding bikes so much did you do like because I know like for example Mark Beaumont did loads of like um indoor work um turbo training things like that yeah um or were you just out on the bike when you could do it I was I mean the weather up here is horrific but (laughs) when you're so driven for something then you just get on with it don't you and I did you know there were some storms I mind one storm coming in and 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 my pal saw me like and he described it he was like the whole of the highlands are battening down their hatches you know so it just means like all the windows are getting closed the curtains are shut the doors are closed like there's a massive storm coming in and then he just saw me like going flying past him in the dark and in the rain and I was off out for like this four hour ride and just finished work and you just did it you know um I did do some terrible stuff um I did do some terrible stuff in the and I would put like maps up in front of in front of me like especially Australia because I was really worried I did get dead bored out there so I was <laughs> like oh maybe if I sort of get to know Australia and like I was putting the putting the hours in and then sometimes I'd go to like 
spin classes just as a treat you know if I was like oh this is enough like I've done so much on my own because I think it's more that it's less the bad weather it's the more the amount that you're doing on your own it's very um you know obviously you guys have got each other but I just find it a little bit isolating, I guess, more than anything else. And I knew that, you know, you, you know, when you're plying yourself into a project, you sort of isolate yourself quite a lot anyway. But then all the training was on my own too. And, you know, some friends would come out, they were good, they would come out for the first couple of hours, but I'd be doing like 10 hour back to back rides. And so they'd be like, yeah, we'll come for the first hour. And then they knew that I wouldn't be stopping for coffee. And like, you're just no fun to go out on the bike with anymore. So we're not coming with you um, but yeah I think the, um, the training wise it was like working in blocks and you know through the week working on sort of I guess speed stuff and pedaling technique and um, building up my power and then at the weekends it was like back-to-back endurance stuff so working between six and ten hour back-to-back days um, but you know I wasted a lot of time um, it was a bit of a standing joke, especially over winter in the house, like I'd get changed to go out at like, you know, in the morning and then I wouldn't actually leave, like the sun would be going down and it's like, oh God, I've got to do this massive ride and now it's getting dark because, you know, we're in the north of Scotland and so I put a, I put a lot of rides off which I think if I didn't do that, then I would have had a lot more time on my hands. But yeah, just, oh, just a faffer. It's it's hard though, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, we've had great weather through February and I'm like, I've done so little riding, but yeah. there's nothing you can do sometimes, is there? And yeah. shorter days make it really hard. And yeah. it's, it's funny as well, because mine and Stevie's um, schedules don't always sync up. So we, we actually do end up trading by ourselves. Do you? Like more than, you know, I'd rather be out with him. And if we're on solos, we ride at quite different speeds so we've either got to kind of try and match bikes or at some of the speeds or he's having to go slower because of me so yeah it's it, it is weird I know what you mean about it being like quite isolating and it takes yeah. up so much of your time outside of everything else yeah you don't get that social aspect do you yeah. so yeah it's... and like you're going to parties I remember in the lead up to it you know I'd be going to parties and like but and I couldn't suffer hearing myself saying either a I'm going home early or oh I'm not going to drink tonight or like just all these things that you're like oh this is fine that I'm doing it but I don't need to you know bring everyone else's night down <laughs> so I would just pretend I would look like I'd have like a, you know if it was like a friend's birthday or whatever I would just rock up I'd be in great form I'd just be like yes and I'd give it my all for like two hours and I'd walk about with a beer in my hand but never actually drink <laughs> just like jump in the car and go home <laughs> maybe like sneak out when everyone else was just like topping out and yeah so I just was, had all these little tricks to try and you know keep my friends my life <laughs> but still be able to devote what I needed to to be prepared but do you, so do you train in the tandem because I'd imagine that's like way different than riding on your own yeah the well the actual tandem we're taking is still being built because we need a couple tandem so we can get it on the flight so it splits in two so Ah, yeah brilliant yeah building that for you no they're not there's only one manufacturer in the uk that um builds so it comes from co-motion in the states okay but there's only um one shop in the uk which is a tandem shop which can get it in at the moment 
yeah wow. the other one went thus so yeah it's um, a very specific really frame. specific wow yeah. yeah and we've been really lucky so k motion has sponsored the custom build of that so um, as you've just seen me and stevie are quite different in height so it yeah. should be a really good fit yeah. Um, but at the moment, we um, mostly ride um, an alley framed Doors Galaxy, and that's what we've done like loads of our past events on. Brilliant. Okay. Um, but it's it's good to train on the tandem, but it's not always it's a bit harder to be like intensive training. Right. So it's good for building up strength and things like that. And Steve's got a lot more weight to hold at the front. Um, but and it, it, you know it's obviously better to get that kind of rapport between me being stoker and captain yeah. and yeah but um i think for like my own fitness i often find it better to be out on a solo right, so we just okay. mix it up oh, yeah cool yeah, yeah. So that's, that's so everything. yeah <laughs> yeah oh wow um oh i wanted to ask you something when you said that there i can't remember what it was now um yeah it'll come back to me <laughs> um and then, yeah, so your ride, you were very adamant to the point where I think you mentioned Lee Craig, she came out to support you, but you were very much like, this is self-supported. Yeah. Um, and that's not something that Guinness dictates and they, Guinness doesn't differentiate anything between a supported and unsupported ride because it's very hard to draw the boundaries. So Mark Beaumont's epic 78-day ride was yeah. obviously absolutely fully supported, massive crew, whereas you just went absolutely I'm doing this by myself and what was your like reasoning for doing that because we, we're going to get some kit drops and if we get offered you know assistance that's within the rules we'll take it and things like yeah. that but what made you want to make it like such a self-supported attempt? Um, I think for me so just to clarify Lee didn't come out to support. Yeah she, she, just, she met you didn't she? Yeah, yeah so she met me in um, halfway up Spain and then she came and she was riding bits and then she was going off and doing her own thing coming back um, and so I was really adamant when and she came out for like her own reasons to, to do some media and she was like out there but I, it was quite a big decision to let her come but I'd sort of thought well, I've done all the big remote places myself so this is probably okay um, and um, but even yeah why did I want to do it supported and um, supported um, I think that is for me like that I, I get a massive buzz from that from that like being as pure as I possibly can within my own boundaries you know like you said as no one else's it's like it's like what to me feels pure so like all the logistics being done myself finding a bed myself finding food like navigating through countries that you know and um, sort of language barriers and I just I get as much pleasure out of it as I do from traveling a long distance on the bike and then so and um, matching them together just feels really really satisfying I guess yeah and I, it was never a question for me whether to do it supported or not it's just not the way I ride yeah it, yeah so it wasn't it didn't even come into the equation but now like that was completely unsupported like you know I was doing oh, I was literally booking flights on my tri bars which is a nightmare by the time you've ridden 6,000 miles because you're just like your brain takes so long at least I can take my hands off the bars yeah. on my back and do it it's your brain like your brain processing slows down incredibly and you know the thinking and working out and stuff is just difficult way more difficult um 
so now I think you know obviously if I'm doing a race and an event and I'm like completely staunch self-supported that for rides for pleasure I am way more chilled out now I am just like <laughs> do you know what if we want to get on a train we can get on a train and uh yeah and you know um friends that that were with me around the time that I was training for around the world will say like one in particular Evan he just said to me the other day I said we're going to meet in the Pyrenees we're both going to be out there over the summer and he, and uh, I was like great we'll get a couple of days riding he looked to me and he was like I'm taking my stove and that was his <laughs> way of saying like I you are not beasting it like we're stopping and we're going to have a good time <laughs> it's like yeah I'm taking a stove too but there was times that I'd be like why are you taking a stove we're not stopping you know and I would just be just like had yeah this mission of keeping going and yeah yeah, yeah well, a lot if, more if anybody's got nothing to prove on the selfie point it's, it's you so I think you can stop for as many proofs as, as you want but yeah I mean I think we we've guilty the same sometimes we go out for what's meant to be a pleasurable ride and find ourselves like sat on the corner of the pavement eating sandwiches like why did we not just go to a cafe yeah, <laughs> yeah. i know yeah. it's hilarious you get you it? do get the, the bug yeah. don't you big time so yeah, for sure and sometimes you're not even that far from home and you find yourself like standing in a bus stop <laughs> with this like mug of like cheap coffee out of <laughs> the petrol station didn't need to do that sandwich <laughs> you're like why has this happened here yeah and once you get in that zone yeah you're you're very much in it aren't you and I I can imagine you you must have been in the zone for that whole period of time but and I, I imagine it's probably impossible to describe but what was it what did it feel like out there I mean did it go really fast or did it did periods drag and and with it just being you as well I mean did you feel like you had people supporting you back home did you feel like you had your like invisible peloton cheering you on or was it was it quite lonely at times so I think the does it go fast or slow I think it, it varies hugely it it would go from hours passing and me being like how have I got here like I just don't remember them they were so easy to me focusing on every single pedal stroke I'm taking so like actually just one more just one more just one more and it just ranged like and it didn't matter you know necessarily what the weather was I had some of my best nights riding in massive storms and you know it's just where your head's at sometimes isn't it and um yeah the fatigue and um yeah um, so that yeah that varies and I think knowing that that will pass was really helpful so like that experience that you guys have obviously got and you know that I'd built up that's where it, that's where the training and stuff really comes in I think yes we're training our bodies but training your mind to know that stuff will pass is everything's huge. temporary and that's what the Stevie's saying so you know yeah it's it, you, that feeling of feeling rock bottom it, yeah you've yeah. got to wait it out haven't you but the thing is that rock bottom stuff I was there alone so like and and there's a lot to be said for that and you know I've read Mark's book or you know listened to Mark's book and um, often you know he talked about his struggles going across um, um, Canada and you know his support crew and him 
like just having no energy to give anything to that conversations and I remember thinking wow I couldn't even have them there like I couldn't imagine anybody being in my space that wasn't feeling how I was feeling and um, so but for you and Stevie then that's going to be like <laughs> you're both going to be in the same hole but you have different like one of you might be imagining the end line and the other one's like focusing on their every single pedal stroke like how do you does that like do you sink how does that uh, work no wow you can't always sink it and no. yeah it's um it, it's it's weird actually so yeah i don't actually know what's harder when both of us hit rock bottom at the same time and we're both like bottomed out and going oh my god we yeah. can't go another pedal stroke or when one of us is rock bottom and one isn't and that mismatch and because it makes you feel worse in a way if you're the one at rock bottom and somebody else isn't you and know and it makes the other one and then you're trying and you're like oh the other way you're just trying to like g somebody on that is just not in that place it's it's really hard yeah. so yeah it's very it's impossible to synchronize it but, wow. but then you do get it to the point where both of us are flying as well and that, yeah. that's that's you know wonderful and i think what what do you think gets you through the times where you're not synced like what is the best thing that you do as a couple because you're obviously well like you're a couple and you spend a lot of time going long distances together on a tandem so you must have like you must you, you is, is it just that you know that they'll get out of it so you give them space or is there something that you can do or say or a way to be that helps that situation yeah I think it sometimes I just have a massive strop <laughs> <laughs> you just have to deal with it no I think I think because we do know each other so well we know that yeah okay if I do throw a massive strop Steve knows that I will probably get over it within a few hours yeah um but I think we kind of know to be kind to each other as well and that we might need a bit more like molly coddling or yeah. it's like okay come on let's stop for breakfast or yeah actually do you know what we're just gonna do this bit and we're gonna have a break and yeah and breaking everything down and going yeah this is temporary as well and i think it's relying on the past experiences with how to go right we've had hard times before but yeah. we've come through them so yeah. i think it's a lot of that to just kind of but yeah, no, it's 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 tough yeah, and it's fascinating, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? We we you know we always make up, but we don't always get on. And yeah, yeah. You, you do have these kind of. But I think because we know deep down that that is that that's part of the game. That's part of the process. Yeah, that you'd never take it to heart. Yes. So yeah, you know, I've never stormed off and left and tried the bike by himself kind of thing. Um, you just get back on and keep turning the pedals. Yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> I'm riding the um, the transcontinental this summer with uh, as a team, as a pair. Oh, so amazing! Got, yeah, me and Philippa Batty are going to be <gasps> a female team out there, and we're both hugely independent solo women that have these, like have amazing friends, but equally live our lives like as you know, like real like independent people. And as coming together, we both know that we can probably ride that distances that we want to ride, but can we work together through that stuff? So that's why, maybe why I'm so fascinated with what you guys are gonna do, because yeah. I know like for me just now, that's gonna be one of the biggest challenges I face this year. Is... I think pairs riding, I think it's it's easy to underestimate the challenge it is. Yeah. It's, it's a very different dynamic. So yeah, yeah that'll be, yeah, really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, well. Um, 
And then, yeah, there's obviously all these bits and bobs things to deal with along the way. But one of the the big things is because, of course, your record is Guinness and there's very strict requirements and you have to come back with all this evidence how on earth did you deal with that that was horrific that was way (laughs) way harder like i would get someone in to do it if i was doing that again somebody would have been able to do that in a couple of days and i just took so long because you're so attached to it and your head when you come back is not used to sitting in front of a computer and thinking it's like you know dealing with adult life when i came back took me ages to um yeah to be sort of that productive again because it's like oh um but anyway the, I, I don't think i think if what i did wrong and what i would say to you for going now is put the system in place before you go that you're going to use and then it'll be easy that it's going to be easy to transfer when you go back so i got too tired to write i was exhausted after i think maybe day 10 I, you, see, you see my diary, so for Guinness, you have to keep a diary of every day of people you met, what the weather was like, where you passed, like how many, how, what your, like all your stats. And it's nice to have, but I would write that out for day one, day two, and then they just started tailing off and tailing off and tailing off. And I was keeping audio, so we were um, we were making um, podcasts, so we've got Round the World podcasts. I, and I, so I was keeping audio for that, and my sister was like, you need to do that for your diary because I said I've stopped writing the diary and I don't know what to do (laughs) I was like it's been a week and I've not written the diary and she's like oh my god you need to like speak the diary and if I thought that I was going to speak the diary before I left then I would have had like I would have had something in place for to get all that information off it when I came back and but because I didn't it just became quite difficult but um, yeah, I think the setting out with that plan that's realistic, um, and and time stamping your photos. So that that was quite a big, uh, big job. Um, and yeah, I don't know if it. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if it is that big a deal. Is the thing that you need to do, and it's you know it's so important for everybody to be doing it, even when they're out there, just to give their ride integrity, if nothing else. Never mind the record, but that um, keeping really, really good um, and, and across multiple devices of stats and proof of where you are. So I had a spot tracker that was, you know, sending a signal every 15 minutes all around the world. I had my Garmin unit that was going straight back to Strava and Garmin itself. Um, and then I also had the computers on the little cat eye computers on top of my, I had two of them um, on my tri bars and they were collecting the miles as my wheels were going round. So there straight away, then I've got, you know, three different pieces of evidence that I say I am where I say I am. Plus I just use my bank card everywhere because I didn't want to keep receipts. So it was great because then I've just got this, especially if you do, like I think I was Starling or Monza when I was out there. So it does it all for you. Like when you get back, it's like, oh, this is how much you spent on food this month. And then you've got all your receipts and, or you can take pictures of your receipts and it matches it up to that payment. So there's things like that that you can do that saves on on the faff but i think that things are really important yeah for the like integrity of the ride i think yeah definitely. really like like this is where we are and this is what we're doing 
Yeah, and I think we're going to get a spot tracker and we thought about yeah. having like trying to make sure we've got two GPX tracks at any one time yeah. and all this. But, yeah. And like I think cameras, so they came back with like bundles of receipts. So I think I'd already thought photographing them might yeah. be good. And if there's Wi-Fi, just upload everything to the cl- a cloud as quickly as possible. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a lot, isn't it? It is a lot. Somebody, somebody set my phone up before I left on, I've got no idea how they did it, but they set up via Dropbox that as soon as I came into Wi-Fi, everything on my camera roll would be uploaded. It's like magic. So I didn't have to physically do anything like that. It just did it for me. Um, that was really yeah, helpful. They are, yeah, all really, really good tips. Yeah. And I think, yeah, anything you can do to reduce the admin on the road. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's Because what you think at. now will be really easy. <laughs> You're like, I went the whole way across Russia with my, with my, uh, my tri bar. I went the whole way around the world, my tri bar flopping, my left tri bar flopping. And with my saddle, I went right the way across Russia with my saddle flip flopping backwards. And every couple of days I would try and tighten the bolts and the tightening the bolts wasn't the issue. So then it would just keep doing it. And I was always too exhausted to do anything about it until I got to a bike shop. (laughs) I'd be like, can you fix that for me, do you know? So I think it's sitting here now, you'd be like, oh, that's easy to do. But yeah, it's just like, be prepared to have a really slow processing brain. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the more we can get done now, I think the yeah. better. Um, and yeah, as you say, like the um, audio diaries, the podcasts are amazing, obviously. <laughs> and, and of course, you've got the film as well, Eastbound, um, yeah. from your, your footage. And yeah, I think that's just, you know, we're, I hope we can be realistic about what's practical on the road. But yeah, I think it's it's amazing to have those memories to take back and yeah yeah, I think that was another aspect wasn't it trying to like get some footage along the road that must have been a challenge too so it started as a real challenge so I was collecting footage just on my really cheap Motorola like £100 phone it was ridiculous and um, and then I was keeping audio on that as well so the video was going back to um, make a film possibly at the end of it which we ended up doing and then the audio was going to Radio Scotland so it was like a massive job because then I had to keep on top of my charging as well which is another huge job out there but I found it was a massive job for the first few weeks and then because I was on my own it became really methodical so like some of my audio diaries are like half an hour long (laughs) I just sitting at the roadside speaking away to myself but it's uh, like they make me laugh a lot because I'm like I remember how comforting it was to have that you know and just to have it almost became like my roadside therapy sessions when things were trickier just to like just sit down and speak to my phone (laughs) and just like let them know what's going on um yeah the thing that I would do differently if I was doing that again so that was great everything was getting saved to Dropbox and everything like all the audio was going back and it was all other people were in charge of that from a publicity point of view so and that was really important that 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 was getting done if I was doing anything like that again I'd also have a way of recording just for me so I found myself because I knew that you know the audio was going out to the radio stations and um 
the, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen with the footage, then I didn't want my people like at home worrying about me. So I've got my son and my mom, my sister, and I didn't, I was like, I don't want them hearing the actual truth right now. Like, I don't want them knowing like absolutely everything so I can hear and I can pick out because I know like it brings me right back to it when I hear myself speaking and then I'll laugh something off and I'm like oh that wasn't actually very funny that was you, you that laugh was for your mum so she'd think you're okay and the reality is my mum knows that laugh as well she knows that that's not okay um so but if I think if I had a place to do that, I think that's, then you can be, then you, when you come back, you've got the realest story that you can, like you're being so truthful about that. And I'd say that even between the two of you, it's like have something just for you because yeah, you're in it as a pair, but ultimately you're an individual as well. And I think having that space that this is going nowhere else, this is just for you. You're the only person that's going to hear this unless you choose otherwise when you're in a different headspace. Then that would be fascinating. I'd love to have that. Like that's, I would love to have that. Yeah, stuff. I think that's a really good point, isn't it? Because yeah, you're never going to be in that space again, are you? Yeah. And it's, yeah, no, it's a, a really interesting tip. And so we can barely imagine just getting to the start line. Yeah. To be in the now. I know. <laughs> but um, what was it like? Getting to the finish line, I mean, was did that even seem real or was it... I mean, sometimes when we've done these big events, you finish and you're like, oh, okay, we're finished. And it doesn't sink in for like days and days. Was there like a point where you suddenly went, oh, hang on, I did this. Yeah. That was me. So funny. That's... Uh, is that three, four, three years? It's coming up four years this year, so three and a half years ago. Um, and I think now it's sunk in, but honestly, for such a long time, like the start, the end line, getting to the end and seeing everyone there, they all looked like they were made of cardboard. Like I couldn't get my head around that that was them. And I was like, we were hugging, but I was like, eh, is this you? Like it was such a weird headspace because I thought about it so much and now it was here and it was like, oh, I'm wrecked and, yeah, it was it was amazing, but equally it wasn't. It it was straight. It was a strange, almost like maybe not quite out of body experience, but that kind of thing that you're like, this isn't a real interaction, is it? <laughs> it's a bit like that. Um, and then for ages afterwards, I would because I went home. Like you'll find this right. So you go away and you've plowed everything into getting to the start line so the rest of your life is falling apart like all, <laughs> yeah. all you can do is ride your bike because everything at home is broken <laughs> and nothing's like you know like you're getting bills because you're not paid things properly or whatever like you're collecting up charges or just like all this really stuff that you just like admin that you've just not kept on top of and and um and so when you come home you actually you're you're pleased that you've done it well this was for me anyway but I was then like oh I actually just need to get my other life like my actual life sorted out a bit because you know I've got loads of maintenance stuff to do and the you know like the bathroom really needs cleaned and just like all these really weird things that you wouldn't think were important but you were like well if I'm gonna like have my nice safe space to be in now I've come back from this massive journey then it is important and so I'd go to like like because the highlands like people in the highlands were 
unbelievably supportive of me. It was, it was so, like, I'm so moved and touched by how much they got behind it. And so lots of people knew that I'd done it. And so I'd be going to, like, B&Q or to, you know, a shop to get, like, bleach or a hammer or just something really basic. And I'd get stopped with this person being really excited. And I remember just being like, oh, I just really need to fix the skirting board that keeps <laughs> falling off and has for two years or just all this it was weird and then and then but they they would bring me back round and be like oh yeah I've just broken the record but it wasn't what the life I'd imagine I'd be having <laughs> like two months after I came back so I think um, that was such a long-winded way of saying it but I think the definitely like when I came back the the enormity of what it was couldn't possibly sink in because I was too busy with the everyday stuff of managing and getting by and like rebuilding what life was yeah 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 it's yeah I, I, I just say I can't barely imagine getting to the start line for yeah. now so that just seems so yeah yeah inconceivable but and I knew that people got like that at the end like I knew the end of things were a thing for people but I sort of thought it would bypass me as we do as humans don't we yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you always like, think you're the exception it'll don't affect you? everyone else but yeah. I know about you so it won't affect me but yeah definitely it was such a bizarre time and I remember I tried to tell a few people that I didn't know very well, maybe, that had just stopped me in the street and I'd be like, oh, it's weird. It's like I can't really touch it. It's there, but I can't touch it. And people would be like, uh-huh. I'd like, <laughs> look at me with this blank face like, this is not the answer we want. We want you to be really excited about it. And so then I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, I am really excited about it because that's what you want to hear. But actually inside, I was like, oh, God, I don't know what I am about it. I don't know what it is. But now I can happily say three years later that it's very much, um, yeah, oh, something that's, you know, yeah. It's totally just amazing. Something. And, it, you know, it's something you've got forever. And, yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> just so inspirational. And, and did you, have you had... Um, have you inspired anybody particularly? Has there been anybody that's kind of come up to you and gone, oh, I saw what you did and now I've gone and done this? Or that do you get that? That has been incredible. Oh, my goodness. And it's that um, I got this lovely message when I um, was away or just came back. Um, and it's the last thing that I sort of, I, I, you know, I know, but like we're not friends, but um, um, we know through the cycling world. And I'd never met her at the time. And she said, you inspire me you have inspired me and she said not to ride a bike but just to get on with something this thing that she needed to get on with um and you know she'd been putting off because she wasn't very sure about it and it was like oh wow like that stuff is really cool and yeah like you know people the thing is I, I mean think you said earlier like were you lonely did you feel that I had my invisible peloton having a spot tracker just instantly gives you this community of people that you know are watching you or like watching out for you um, and so mums like people I knew that just had kids even some people I didn't know that just had kids and they'd be up doing the feed like doing like you know feeding through the night and they'd check where I was and then I'd get messages like you know four in the morning that was four in the morning here but I might be up riding there like oh I'm just feeding the wee one slassy lorry she's like I'm just feeding just feeding the wee one and you know you're out doing that and it would just be like oh like 
that staff was really nice. It was so lovely receiving that sort of messages at different times of the day that people were checking in. And, and I found that when I came back, everybody had a story to tell me about their experience of watching the doll. So it meant, so it was less about my cycle, if you like. So like you go off and you cycle and then you put out this spot tracker and people see your dot moving around the world and then their world, because they're watching that dot, you know, it's that thing we said about planting seeds. It's planted a seed and then it's changed something for them or what they're going to do that day or what is like, you know, something happened because of it. And there's so many stories like that that I love that it's no longer about you and your bike ride. It's just that little seed planting that has just, you know, that w that is why I got to the start line is how you're getting to the start <laughs> line because we just, these little bits of inspiration throughout our lives just like turn our and, and make our trails and it's so cool to be part of that, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, that's something that would just be, get, you know, getting to the finish line would be obviously amazing. But yeah, to think that we could have that potential to inspire other people yeah. and not necessarily to ride around the world, not even necessarily to get on a bike, but to go and do something yeah. super cool is just, yeah. yeah. So that's that's amazing to hear that, yeah, yeah. you've had those experiences. Yeah, so lucky. Um, and yeah, d just to kind of round things off a bit, I've got a little bit of tandem trivia for oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too bad. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. It's just, um, so the first one really, have you ever ridden a tandem? I have not, I don't <laughs> think. Have I tried one? Because I, I really wanted to, like for ages I really wanted to do a ride on them. I, I don't think I have, but I might have had a little shot on one, but I can't remember. <laughs> you have to give it a go. Okay. And then... Um, if you were to ride a tandem um, and you could ride a tandem with anybody you wanted, alive, dead, fictional, whatever, who would you put on your tandem with you? Oh, <laughs> to know, I think I would, if, if they would come with me, I would... They don't have a choice, by the way. Oh, they so, don't no, have a you choice. Can, yeah, you can put whoever you want on the tandem you get to choose whether they like it or not. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I put my pal M on the tandem. <laughs> I put my pal M on it. She would never come on a bike ride with me. Or like only, oh no, she has come on a bike ride with me. I'd love to do like a huge adventure with her. Um, like, you know, overnight. And we just laugh so much. Um, and so, yeah, so it wouldn't be anyone famous or... Um, no, that's that great. Would, yeah, well, I can hardly end. argue with that. You know, I'm on, <laughs> I'm on the tandem with my best friend all the time. So. Oh. <laughs> and, and would you, would you be on the front? Would you need to be Always. in control? Yeah. This is, this is it. This is what, like, I could not handle somebody else being on the front. How do you cope with that? Is that just your personalities that you um, don't need it, to? Do you know what? The first time um, we did this little loop around our local lanes, it's and there's this little tiny dip like you barely get up to 20 miles an hour good right? yeah. and so and we're riding along and because you can't see from the back um and we went down this little dip and i i was almost in tears i was like oh my god i can i could not cope with descending at all because i yeah. had no control no brakes and it gets anything and yeah so it took take quite a lot of getting used to not having that control but yeah 
I think, yeah, it's about the communication, really. You've got to have that communication between the two of you. And yeah, okay, Steve's in control of the steering, the gears, everything like that. But um, I do my fair share of the admin and, you know, the stops and stuff. So, well, that's for Tandem Wow. That's that's what stuck out with uh, speaking to Tandem Wow. It's that, oh, everyone's busy. (laughs) It's just that you're you're not doing the thing that, you know, that you're used to, maybe, Mm. that that you're used to being in charge of. Yeah. Yeah, and I've been doing like tons of routing and stuff recently um, and Steve Camry you know but I've kind of been doing all that and he's kind of going oh you're doing all this work I'm like you've got to drive the thing <laughs> you've, you've got 18,000 miles driving it don't you worry your time will come <laughs> what about the view for you though does that does that like are you just looking at the back of seat? um you get a knack of peering around the edges but yeah I'll mostly be staring at his lower back for wow. 180 days yeah because it just makes but you sense. can look at the sides more so yeah it's weird so I can see things you can go on the same ride as a solo bike and a tandem bike and you get a completely different view because you can look one side or the other and yeah. you could you can stop and look at something if you're stoker yeah whereas when you're on a bike you have to be obviously having one eye on the road all the time yeah so you get a much better view of the front but you don't get a view of the side okay so yeah it's, so you it's a very different perspective it. yeah. yeah um and i think it'll be interesting as well because i go hands-free on the back that i can so i've got a wee gopro to be yeah. able to try and get footage and yeah, yeah. you know I, th- I, I don't know how he managed it you know trying to <laughs> negotiate that and everything else along the way but it means that hopefully I can get loads of footage from the back of the bike as well so that's quite exciting oh, so is the plan to make a film I think we're going to get footage yeah so I'm Brilliant. you know I'm not an experienced filmmaker I have a yeah. very amateur YouTube channel but it's too good opportunity to miss so exactly yeah we're gonna try and take as much as we can and then see what we can back with and see if that makes something amazing or <laughs> oh it's so good yeah yeah make sure you capture all the bickers yeah well that's the thing isn't it it's it's the, the human people, element yeah people don't want to just see the nah. good stuff they nope. want to see it when it's tough as well and yeah. that's what comes across really well in in your film is you filmed everything and <laughs> yeah but then it makes it so human it makes it so much more interesting so yeah, yeah that's oh that's funny because the filmmakers that i came back were like you're always seen like you're in a good mood we need more dips <laughs> And it's like, oh God, it's really hard to turn the camera on when it's like another moan. What I'm going to do with Phil and I are going to do, because we're filming, we're making a a documentary out of the Transcon. So what we are deciding is that we've got a rule that we film everything, but none of it has to go out if neither of us are happy with it at the end. So then it takes the pressure off. If somebody's got a camera in your face, you're like, well, this isn't going anywhere. This is just for us and we know that this is happening. And so, yeah, so that's going to help us. So then if one's crying or whatever, which will probably be me, then Phil won't have to worry too much about getting the camera out. So I'll be like, oh, yeah, I I think I think we'll do similar. And and yeah, so we'll get the footage and bring it back and then see what we've got. Yeah. But yeah, I've I've done it before and I've got the like the camera out and being like, oh, we're, you know, doing this ride with it. And Steve's like, can you put some effort in? We've got to go uphill now. And I'm like, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, it's, you say, it's trying to get that, that balance, isn't it? 
Um, and then we often say we're joined by the frame on the tandem. Um, is there anything that you're joined by the frame to on your ride? Is there any kind of like a little luxury? Is there anything you can't do without? Like a bit of food, a bit of gear? Yeah. Is there any, what goes on like every ride with you? Um, I mean, pfft, nothing, because I'm never organised to find everything that I need <laughs> for a ride. So I don't get too hung up on things. Um, on my, I mean, I became incredibly cr- close to my bike. Um, you know, little pig, I called her. And I just, I just had this after the first three weeks, we'd been through so much together that I actually, you know, like, it felt emotion towards her. It's just hilarious. And I'd never really felt like that about an object before. <laughs> but this bike, you know, like she, I'd wheel it into pipes and she'd stay in there with me. I'd take her in every single hotel room or B&B. Um, you know, we faced the traffic, we faced the bears, like everything that was there was just me and that little bike. And um, when I came back, Shan, so, you know, Stephen from Stephen Shan had suggested that it might be quite cool if we put her in the museum or like, you know, we could do stuff with her and, you know, they'd build me another bike and maybe we could, like, we should keep little pig as she is round the world pristine and he said that he could see my he could <laughs> see my tin starting to wobble <laughs> he's like we don't need to but I was just like yeah I just felt this really strong strong connection bits of kit yeah there's tons isn't there that yeah. you can that, that take you can take and you know are great for rides I love a dino a dino system it's really satisfying and and I mean I think when you're traveling that lightweight uh, and self-supported then every piece of kit that you've chosen is there for a reason and it's you know it's a good reason, but yeah, the the thing I was joined at was literally my bike frame. But that's pretty important. So yeah, yeah I yeah. think that definitely definitely yeah. goes. And um, and then last but not least, why should we ride around the world on a tandem bicycle together Ooh! and break the world record? <laughs> Great! I love that you're asking me this. <laughs> Just don't say we shouldn't. <laughs> Oh God, I mean, I've got, I can't, I I mean, riding around the world itself, for me, I think since I've come back, what it's done is possibly, it's, it's made everything realistic. Like there's things that I, I very rarely say now, well, there's no way I could do that. Cause I'm like, well, pff, there is, <laughs> there's a way, it might not be an easy way, but there is a way. Um, I mean, it's made me feel incredibly privileged for, you know, for being able to choose what I do with my life, for being born into a country that that's accepted, that I've got a choice. And I think that two things, you know, being really having so much gratitude for that and equally knowing knowing that I can use that to to do what I choose to do um, I mean that's that's incredible and people don't need to ride around the world to do that but that's what I came you know back with um, I think the taking a sustained amount of time out of adult life is something that everybody should do if they have the opportunity you know and if they can it's just it, it's just so 
freeing to be and you don't realize what strain and stress it can be the everyday grind until you until you give yourself that break from it do you um, and you know and and your when your only purpose is to get up and ride the next day it's just like wow it's yeah it's such a yeah such a cool feeling and um, why should you do in a tandem <laughs> my goodness i cannot answer that yeah i want to have this interview with you when you come back <laughs> okay. we'll see what we say so, then so, yeah like that was a daft idea <laughs> i'm gonna do a takeover i'm gonna do a takeover of your podcast and i'm gonna interview you yes, i'm gonna do it separately and together <laughs> and get the real story we'll get the real story yes there's going to be loads of beer involved so like there's no hiding behind this yeah. oh my goodness i'll definitely take you off on that <laughs> where are you starting and finishing um the uh, brandenburg gate <gasps> yes! <laughs> that is so cool as a bit of a nod to oh, yourself yeah but well, steve's so brother cool. lives in berlin but no yeah. no no Wait, but, yeah no 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 it's that. totally is to do this <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool yeah. oh wow yeah so it's it's gonna be amazing <laughs> <laughs> so tough to start in berlin it's a really good place yeah so we yeah we can't well we can't wait just to get to the star line as yeah. i say and oh my goodness it's just been such a pleasure to speak to you you've been such a massive inspiration and yeah um yeah thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time it's been a delight (laughs) 